Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about sarcoidosis. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash sarcoidosis or in the respiratory section of the second edition of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Sarcoidosis is a chronic granulomatous disorder. Granulomas are inflammatory nodules that are full of macrophages. The cause of these granulomas and sarcoidosis is not known. Sarcoidosis is usually associated with respiratory symptoms, but it has many extrapulmonary manifestations, such as erythema nodosum and lymphadenopathy. Symptoms can vary dramatically from asymptomatic to severe or life-threatening. Let's start with the epidemiology. Sarcoidosis can affect anyone, but it seems to be slightly more common in people aged 20 to 39 or around 60 years of age, women and patients of black ethnic origin. A tom tip for you, the typical MCQ exam patient is a 20 to 40 year old black female patient presenting with a dry cough and shortness of breath. They may have nodules on their shins suggesting erythema nodosum. Let's talk about the skin features. Less than half of patients with sarcoidosis have skin involvement. However, these findings are worth remembering particularly for exams. Erythema nodosum is characterized by nodules of inflamed subcutaneous fat on the shins. Inflammation of fat is called paniculitis. Erythema nodosum presents with raised, red, tender, painful subcutaneous nodules across both shins. Over time, these nodules settle and then appear as bruises. There are many causes of erythema nodosum, not just sarcoidosis. Lupus pernio is a specific finding to sarcoidosis and presents with raised purple skin lesions, often on the cheeks and the nose. Next, let's talk about the organs that are affected in sarcoidosis. Sarcoidosis can affect almost any organ in the body. The lungs are the most commonly affected in over 90% of patients, so respiratory physicians usually manage sarcoidosis. In the lungs, there can be mediastinal lymphadenopathy with swollen lymph nodes in the mediastinum, pulmonary fibrosis and pulmonary nodules. Systemic symptoms include fever, fatigue and weight loss. In the liver, there can be liver nodules, liver cirrhosis and cholestasis with a reduction in the flow of bile. In the eyes, there can be uveitis, conjunctivitis and optic neuritis. In the heart, there can be bundle branch block, heart block and myocardial muscle involvement. In the kidneys, there can be kidney stones nephrocalcinosis and interstitial nephritis. In the central nervous system, there can be nodules, pituitary involvement, for example, diabetes insipidus, 
and encephalopathy. In the peripheral nervous system, there can be a facial nerve palsy and mononeuritis multiplex. And finally, in the bones, there can be arthralgia with painful joints, arthritis, and myopathy or problems with the muscles. Let's talk about something called Lofgren syndrome. Lofgren syndrome refers to a specific presentation of sarcoidosis with a classic triad of symptoms of erythema nodosum, bilateral hilar lymphadenopathy, and polyarthralgia with joint pain in multiple joints. Let's talk about the differential diagnoses. The top differentials for the varied presenting features of sarcoidosis include tuberculosis, lymphoma, hypersensitivity pneumonitis, HIV, toxoplasmosis and histoplasmosis. Let's go through the blood tests. The blood test findings to remember are a raised angiotensin converting enzyme or ACE and this blood test is often used as the screening test for sarcoidosis, and a raised calcium, or hypercalcemia. Next, let's talk about imaging. Various imaging investigations may be performed, including a chest x-ray, which may show hilar lymphadenopathy, or swollen lymph nodes in the hilar region, A high-resolution CT scan may show hilar lymphadenopathy and pulmonary nodules. An MRI scan can show central nervous system involvement. And PET scanning can show active inflammation in affected areas. Next, let's talk about the histology. Histology helps to establish a diagnosis. A tissue sample can be taken by bronchoscopy with ultrasound-guided biopsy of the mediastinal lymph nodes. Histology characteristically shows non-caseating granulomas with epithelioid cells. Let's talk about the other tests. Other tests may be used to determine which organs are involved and affected by sarcoidosis, including use and ease for kidney involvement, urine-albumin-creatinine ratio to look for proteinuria, liver function tests for liver involvement, ophthalmology assessment for eye involvement, ECG and an echocardiogram for heart involvement, and ultrasound for liver and kidney involvement. Next let's talk about management. Conservative management is considered in patients who have no or mild symptoms. Oral steroids, which may be taken for 6 to 24 months, are usually first line when treatment is required. Bisphosphonates can be used to help protect against osteoporosis whilst taking long-term steroids. Methotrexate is a second line option. Lung transplant is rarely required in severe pulmonary disease. Finally, let's talk about the prognosis. Sarcoidosis spontaneously resolves in around half of patients, usually within two years. In some patients, it progresses to pulmonary fibrosis and pulmonary hypertension. Overall, the mortality rate is less than 10%. So thanks for listening to this episode on sarcoidosis. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. 
and I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about obstructive sleep apnea.